We met as a committee on Thursday night just to talk a little bit. Oh, it's better make sure I'm in the camera. <laughs> make sure that uh, we're sort of working out what we're going to do and just coming to the conclusion that what we want to do is obviously trust in the Lord. Um, we have to obey and honour our governments and the people that God has put in charge because they're trying to look after this country, right? So the rules that we're under and all that, they're good because they're trying to stop something rampaging through and lots of people dying. So what we're doing is we honour that. We, we go, okay, what's the risk level for ourselves? We have to work that out. Um, and then we put in place what they ask us to. All right? So, but as we gather, it's like for us, I feel that it's so important that if we have the opportunity to still gather, let's take that opportunity, however it might look. So for me this morning, I'm, I'm actually, as I was sitting up at the front, I was like, this is actually really good. I'm so happy I'm here this morning that I've had the chance to come together with my brothers and sisters to worship the Lord. And it does look different, but it's going to change back eventually. You know, Eventually it's all going to be sort of back to normal, um, but one thing doesn't change, and that's God's love for us and the love that we have for one another that God has placed in our heart. And so we've set up things here at church which will be regular until we don't have to do it anymore, which is um, we've got the sanitizer out there when you come in the door, in the Sunday school room, in the creche, in the, the cry room, in the kitchen and those places. So it's available for everyone who needs it. We've got chairs obviously set up differently. Um, and you know what? Even that, that rule of 100 for our church, we're sort of just over 100, you know. Like I think the week before last, no, last week we had, uh, was it 100 and, about 111 people, adults, plus children. So with the children, maybe we're up to about 130 to 150 people here. But what an opportunity for us if we really decide, you know what, we're going to still gather together to, to gather in the morning and at the night or at another time if we want to as a, a major gathering, but also an opportunity to gather in each other's homes, ring each other up, hey, can you come over? Let's do communion together. Let's have a meal together, whatever it might be, to just be really aware of that. Because it is so important that we don't lose connection, all right? As soon as we do that, we lose our strength. Um, you see it in the wild all the time, don't you? So if the lions are hunting a pack of wildebeest, they don't go to the main pack and grab hold of the strongest there because they're afraid. They're, they know that there's something there to protect them. They go for the one who's on the outskirts, the ones who's dropped away, the ones who's fallen out, and that's the ones that get attacked. And it's no different... In, like sharks in the ocean, same thing. I remember hearing a story about that and a US Navy ship that went down and they'd all be in this big group. One would get hallucinating and start swimming towards because they saw their mother or something like that and sharks would get and they were circling, circling, circling. But as soon as they were loosened from the main group, that was when attack came. It's no different for us with our faith and I'm going to sort of talk a little bit about this that this morning. It's no different for us in faith. As soon as we isolate ourselves from the body of Christ, we become very susceptible to um, attack. We really do. Because we don't have anyone with us to help us, to pull us up, to drag us along, to pray for us, to hopefully care for us when we have times of trouble. And um, what we've been looking at over the last few weeks, that love that we have for one another has to be so real. How can we possibly be disciples if we don't love each other? Because that's how Jesus said, the world will know that we are his disciples because of what? The love we have for one another. 
nothing else. It wasn't because of the great buildings you have. It wasn't because of the great speeches you give. It wasn't because of the fancy clothes you have or anything else. It was people will know that you're my disciples because of the love you have for one another. And so we want to keep building that as a church. And as I said, if you're not in fellowship, how can you possibly love anyone? I can't love people I don't have fellowship with. It's not possible. It's an, it's, it's just, just can't happen. And so we want to make sure that we don't ever lose that. And we work within whatever guidelines we're given. If, if they said, tomorrow, right, oh guys, you can only meet with 20, we meet with 20. But we, we keep meeting. We keep doing because we know that it's so important that we gather together as Christians. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I just felt great this morning. I just really did. And you know what else? I could hear the voices there. It was incredible, hey? <laughs> it's almost like, I don't know, maybe because it's more echoey, it's like we're singing in the shower or something together. <laughs> but but there's just this sound that was coming out of people singing and it was great. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to be giving everyone a call during the week, hopefully. Um, got a couple of volunteers to help with that and just give everyone a ring that we have the contact details of. If you don't have your contact details with us, please make sure you fill out that green card so that we can call you and email and you whatever. But our plan is not to go straight away to uh, uh, telecast if we don't have to. We will make a video available, which is why we're recording this. It's not going to be great quality this week. Uh, yeah, lens cap's open, that's good. <laughs> um, but there'll be something there online, and me and Matt are going to work on that during the week. Um, but why stop meeting together when we're allowed to? That's my theory, right? Let's keep together. And you know what else? Who knows, at the end of this, maybe God's got two congregations going here because we're splitting, because we're meeting, and we have the opportunity, actually, to grow each congregation to 100 people maximum. Is that not an opportunity for God to do something outside of what we thought? I reckon it is. So we just, we're not saying that that's going to happen, but what we're saying is let's believe in God, because he is greater than anything else, that he is above all, he is the one who has the power in reality. And the other thing we're going to do is keep praying as a church. Um, there are many verses about, you know, pestilence and disease not coming near our dwelling, those who please the Lord and things like that. And definitely prayer is powerful. Um, the Israelites wandering through the desert, there was not one sick amongst them, the Bible said, because God was over them, protecting them, even, even to the point where their clothes didn't wear out. And so sometimes there's these times of wilderness, which is where it was. It wasn't when they'd entered the promised land, because as soon as they entered the promised land, all that stuff stopped. All the provisions stopped and everything like that and they begin to fight. God was still on their side, but he's saying, here's a promise, take hold of it. And so we walk in two ways, don't we? One, we trust God will look after us. We pray, we, we continue to fight that battle and we, we want to pray for this nation. We want to pray for the world that this virus gets under control and much quicker than they think. Why not? Why not? God's outside of everything else. He is the first cause of everything. And we can pray over our church, pray over our people and make sure that we uh, keep, keep them in our hearts and our minds. The other thing to understand is that not everyone might have the same faith as you, all right, in terms of, you know, I don't feel scared at all, I'm going to go and shake hands and hug people and, you know, slobber over them or whatever. Um, it's <laughs> maybe not slobber over them, that's probably not even appropriate without the virus. 
but we might, we might, <laughs> we might think, yeah, everything's good. We're going to be in faith and blah blah blah. But Paul wrote a letter to a church, and he was talking about food that they offered to idols back then. So it's like, hey, there's food offered to idols. Some of you are fine with eating it. You believe that everything comes from God, everything's good, you pray over it, you believe that God blesses it, but there's other people who are eating food offered to idols where it really pricks their conscience. They're not sure whether it's right or wrong. They're a bit afraid that if they do it, they're going outside of God's will, whatever it might be. The point of the whole passage was, hey, you who are stronger in faith, look after those who are weaker in faith. If you have someone around that that feels like you can't eat meat offered to idols then you don't need it either. It's not about you, it's about them. It's about looking after the other person, right? So we can push these things and try and be you know, strong and, and whatever it is, which is great. And some of us will have that faith. We're just like, you know what, I believe and that's it. But there might be others that are a bit worried and concerned. You don't blow them off and say, oh, well, you should believe God better or this, that or the other. You, you take time to go, okay, no worries. Let's, let me respect you. That's cool. No problem at all. And so we have to always be careful that we're doing that. We're respecting other people. We're not trying to push something on them that they're not ready for and things like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and that should be our life anyway, shouldn't it? You know, like, (laughs) with so many different things that that if we know that someone else is struggling in an area, we, we who are strong in faith don't try and force things on people. We let them grow in faith. We continue to release them into freedom in God. Um, so yes, you'll be getting phone calls and the question might be um, if we had two services which one would you like to come to? Morning or night? For the night one, what time should that be? Simple as that and we're just going to try and work out who might go where if they want to. If everyone's like you know what, we're not going to come to church at all for the next four months well then (laughs) maybe still have the one service but let's hope that it's not like that alright um and how would you like to meet? You know, and, and it'll be sort of also talking with connect group leaders and things like that. So if there were further restrictions placed, and what I'm saying is let's pray there isn't. Let's pray and believe that there isn't, that um, we do it a different way. But commit to fellowshipping with one another. There is no, no, like, there's no going away from that. That's what it's all about. Jesus talked about it in John chapter 15, that he's connected with the Father, Uh, The Father's connected with him and the Holy Spirit and we're meant to also be connected into the vine which means we have to have fellowship with one another. Don't neglect that coming together. So that's sort of a bit of a preamble um, about what we're looking at and it sort of ties in anyway and it might not be too long this morning. It's already shorter. You guys might be home for morning tea. (laughs) But... um, I just wanted to, to talk about this whole point that we can fall away if we're not careful. If we don't put the things of God as a priority in our life, there's this opportunity that we slip away from God and from the promises that he have, has for us, I beg your pardon. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about, just first we're going to bring up a verse in John chapter 14, just to look at that. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Before we get into it, I just want you to look at that verse and just think about it. Now, because these are troubling times for a lot of people, aren't they? 
There's a lot of people scared, we know that, because like there's no toilet paper or no mints. Or... They're worried about the future, what things might happen. But for us as Christians, our first response is trust in the Lord, isn't it? No matter what. And it's such a weird thing, you know, like even when it comes to, to death and dying, if that happened, there's still no victory for death because we live forever. It's like we've got this, and this is in the context that Jesus says, don't be, don't be worried, I'm going away, I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven, it's okay, that I'm with you. But here we have an instruction to us, but it's said in a, a peaceful, beautiful way as Jesus is talking. It's like, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. Trust in God and trust also in me. It's a big thing for us as Christians, isn't it, to just do that. And, and it could be any area of our life. There's some people out there today that there's an area of their life where they're just not really trusting God. And sometimes we feel like failures, don't we, in those areas? We think, man, I've just missed it. I'm not trusting God. I'm a hopeless Christian. I, I don't know what's going on. But you feel so fearful and anxious. And Jesus isn't there to tell us off. He's there to encourage us. Hey, can I just tell you something? It's like he comes alongside and he says, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me that, that my words that I have for you, their spirit, their life, and I'm going to, I've got you. I've got you is really what he's saying. And so as we walk through our life, as a Christian, this is exactly what we need to do. Trust in God and trust also in Christ Jesus. We have to make this the, the solid foundation in our life that we are never going to let go and start to build our life upon the rock because the truth is that persecution comes throughout our life in, in different ways. So we often think of persecution just as someone you know, physically doing something to us, but persecution happens in so many different ways. There's things in this life that just want to throw us off living for Jesus, isn't there? There's things that we might even think are okay, but we know in the end they're going to harm us. Or we want to do, but we know that's not the right thing to do. There's a persecution of friendship where people decide they're going to cut relationship with you. There's a persecution just from the general media. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever felt that, you almost feel like if I say that I'm a Christian, I'm going to be beaten down and the media is often against faith things that they just you're a fool fool to believe those things how can you trust god but the bible warns us that um it's really bad to forsake that fellowshipping and he also warns us that there is the persecution that comes and i wanted to talk about firstly the scene in acts when um, the early church was formed and just how they had a purpose for their gatherings which was always around christ jesus and I just wanted to encourage us, it was in two places it says it met in the temples and in homes, but wherever they went, the Lord was the centre. And this is one of the biggest things that we need to understand when we're trying to live our life out for Jesus, is that this fellowship strengthens us. It helps us when persecution comes. So let's look at Acts firstly. Acts 2, 42 all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. 
So as a church, as people who are believers, there's something that, that we need to understand. The, the church grew very quickly in the early days. And this is one of the reasons why, as, you, as, as we go through this, it talks about, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. Not because they had a great program, not because um, they had great ministries. In fact, at the early start of the church, there was really no ministries because it was just the birth, right? It's like the birth of a child, and we know that a child is not fully developed. They've not got a lot of things happening, but somehow God's spirit moved. I wonder sometimes if we rely so much on programs and, and preaching and people that we forget that our Christian walk is about us devoting ourselves firstly to the good teaching of God and to fellowship and to meals and of course, number one, trusting in God, devoting ourselves to him. And devoted is not a light word, is it? It doesn't say, oh, and the disciples sometimes got together or the believers, they sometimes got together or, you know, once a month they met or, you know, they, you know, Skyped each other, whatever it might be. I don't know if there was Skype back then. I'd imagine not. I do know, actually, there wasn't. That's a lie. I do know. <laughs> but there's this devotion that people had. It's interesting that it doesn't say all the believers devoted themselves to uh, just isolated prayer and fasting and study or isolated whatever it might be. This is very much that we are together in this. They devoted themselves. That means that there was a change. There was, a, there, there was something in their lives that they're like, wait a minute, we have to come together, we have to stick together, and we have to grow together. And the word at the moment that we hear, which is, of course, a good thing in the times that we're in, is social isolation, right? Or social distancing. And yet within this, it's talking about social closeness, isn't it? It's talking about making sure that you are connected to other people, especially to other believers. And it's interesting as this thing's come around that it's sort of dragging us even further and further away from meeting together. Now I understand it's going to end and there's been times like this in the past where these things just have to happen. But the tendency can be that we just don't go back because we're still fearful. We're not going to go back. We're not going to enter back into fellowship. We're not going to enter into closeness. And so the new thing becomes normal. So they're even talking about that on TV at the moment. It's like, you know, this is the new normal. Does that mean after this is all gone, because it is going to go, that we never ever shake hands again with anyone? Because that's what they're sort of saying. It's maybe from now on in the future we can just all bow to one another or do what they do in, in other countries where they're not really greeting like that because it's still a good idea. Are we going to allow that to be the new norm for us? The new norm is that we don't mix, that we don't go out, that we don't trust at all? Or are we going to make sure that we go through the storm that's here right now but stay devoted to this somehow? And part of that is us coming together as believers, having meals together. I can tell you it's so fun. It really is. When you gather with a group of people, and it doesn't have to be everyone, this is the other thing that we sometimes forget is that, we, okay, can we keep, is there more, there's more of that, eh? Yeah, let's keep going and talk about it in a minute. No, is that all I wrote? What a crazy kid. I'll read it out of here. 
All right. <laughs> All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And as a result, listen to what happened. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possession and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture. Now, we can read that though and we go, they all met in one place and then they met in homes as if everybody met in a home every day and everybody met in the temple every day. It's just not possible, right? Not everyone can do that all the time. And even the sharing and the selling, that sort of moved and changed as the church grew. And, and it obviously wasn't everyone sold everything they had and just brought it in. But there's this movement in the hearts of the people that became believers that we want to be people that share and live our lives together, right? That we want to make sure that if there's someone in our congregation, their needs are met. That we are not having people here in this church that are poverty-stricken, that have lost their job and they don't get any help from other believers. But there's this sense that coming together is what we need to do. And it was done through the Holy Spirit obviously working in the church because this is the start of it. And it talks about their meeting together, they're sharing their meals and there was great generosity and the fellowship was awesome. And it is something that we do tend to lose, right, as, as Christians. And I remember once, oh sorry, as Western Christians... I remember once uh, when I was reading some stuff about uh, poverty and things like that, I was doing a course on poverty and community development, I think, and one of the guys in the podcast, he says, he asked this question, he said, um, what do poor people have to give up to become middle class? An interesting question. Don't you think that's an interesting question? We, we sort of think that poor people don't really have to give up anything. They're gaining everything. And the answer is really interesting. What is said was this, when they do that, they have to give up community. Interesting, right? You think about it, when we become middle class, what happens? I have stuff. We all used to go to the well, get our water, but now I've got water coming into my house. We all used to go and borrow from the neighbour, can I borrow your pot and pan? We all had a community pot and pan. But now it's like we've all got our own stuff. We all used to have no fences between our houses, but now we've put up fences and we've got land and we've got houses that we have to protect and that we own. There's nothing wrong with those things, don't get me wrong. If you look through the Bible, you can see that God offered land and property and prosperity to people. But it's an interesting thought, isn't it? You think about it, you think about your suburb, what does it look like? I've got my neighbour, I've got a fence. If I park my car on there, a bit of grass, heaven help me. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're really putting me out. This is a real violation of my property. And so what can tend to happen is that we can grow out of fellowship. We can grow out of this connection and, and who we are. And this is what the early church must have sort of experienced. It's like, wait a minute, we belong to one another. It's not about me and my stuff anymore. It's about us, our God, and sharing life together so that we can grow together. Why is that? Because why did they grow? Because they loved one another. Can you think about that? And, and you think about our times. They're pretty good. But back then, we don't understand what the world was really like. It was violent. It was wild. There, there was no sense of humility or, or real compassion in much things. It was very harsh. It was a harsh world. I mean, they were living in an occupied country with soldiers roaming the streets that would be ready to, to kill you. There was rebellions. There was all sorts of things happening. And yet somehow amongst all that, God moved this group of people because the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to live life together. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a picture of what we want the church to be like? That, that when we really think about the church, it isn't just believing in God. Believing in God is nothing because the devil believes in God. It's, it's not what it means. It doesn't mean that once I believe in God, that's it. And, you know, we, we want people to belong to this family, yet it takes effort to be a family, doesn't it? And I can't lie to you, it's hard even for me at times. Because there's things in our life, what, what Jesus called the weeds in a parable that he said, that come and choke out the fruitfulness that we have. Think about how many meetings with someone, connecting with someone that you've knocked back, even a friend where you've just said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really busy, I can't do that. And what is the busy? I don't know what it is. It might be I've got sport five days a week. It might be I'm busy with work. It might be I'm busy looking after all this stuff I have because God's blessed me so much I've got to spend all day Saturday mowing my lawn and fixing my house and doing this and doing whatever that I don't actually really have time for you. It's crazy, isn't it? But it's true, you know, it's true. People become less of a priority because we have prioritised other things. We've prioritised this middle-class lifestyle, the, the living, the having, the gaining, the, that as though that's success in life, and we forget who we're journeying with sometimes. It's a challenge, right? If I say that to you, it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. How do I commit to a people? How do I commit to a gathering? How do I commit to a group and not give up my selfish life? The truth is you can't. It's impossible. And I was really struck. Joe read out something to me from what she saw on the internet. And, and I was just like, even though this isn't relevant to this, it sort of is. It was like, you know, people used to ask, in the Bible you see, what must I do to be saved? In other words, I can see I need this salvation. What must I do to be saved? There's a hunger, they're saying, I need what you've got. And, and the answer was often, look, repent and believe in Jesus. Turn away from your, your wickedness and come back to Christ. Come back to God. There's this relationship that can happen because Jesus is there. 
But then the next part of that sentence is like, they used to say, what must I do to be saved? But now it's like, what can I do and still be saved? So in other words, the question is now, what can I actually get away with without losing my salvation? How, how loosely can I live my life without losing what I have with God? It's interesting thought, right? Now we understand that grace is there for us when we fall and, and grace is there to strengthen us in times of weakness. But as a people of God, is that our hearts cry, God, what must I do? What is it about my life that I need to change? What is it about your word that I've read today that when I read it, it grated with me because I understood my, my, my life isn't right with you. I'm not living the right way. Be holy as he is holy. And it's not about works, it really isn't. Because we understand that none of us deserve God's love. We've all rebelled, we've all sinned, we've all gone away from him. And none of us can get to God except through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that forgiveness on the cross where Jesus died and took the sin of the world upon himself. None of us can get to God without that. But surely those of us who understand that, we've got this grateful heart towards God and rather than going, well, now, now that I know that he's forgiven me, what can I keep on doing and it's okay? That's not the question we should be asking, is it? That's not the heart that we should have. A thankful heart goes, I cannot believe that how bad I was, yet you still forgave me and you made me your son, you made me your daughter, you brought me into this family. I am so overwhelmed by that, that how can I help but dedicate my whole life to living for you? How can I but help to live my whole life for you? And it's the same with us when we start to think about the way things are in this world. We need to question who we are and how we act. We need to make sure that we read the word of God, that that seed of the word of God goes in, that we plant it deep in our hearts because times of persecution can just be because you have to work 100 hours a week every day for the year and you lose your faith. Not because God's not good, but because you're not allowing time for him or fellowship. Persecution could be the, the, uh, the pressure of the world to perform that makes it so much more important that you gain a lot of money and success in business and grow and get lots of stuff and you're famous and rich and that's success. And how many times do you hear that story? Now, I don't know the exact percentage. I couldn't possibly say that, but the wife walking out the door and the husband going, but I did it all for you. I did it all for you. I did it for the family. That's why I worked so hard and there's some truth in that where, where God's grace covers certain things, but you did it for us, but Dad, you never loved us. Husband, we haven't talked for months. And so we often find that our life gets unprioritized or messed up because we're not really living in the Word of God. We're not reading it, taking it to heart and putting it into action in our life. 
Simple things. I can tell you right now, like I, I can read a passage of the Bible and, and let's go, James, be angry and sin not. And I'm like, oh, was I angry this week? And did my anger let me sin? I don't know. Or I can read a verse that says, don't be easily offended. And I'm offended by the verse that says, don't be offended. Or do I take that seed and put it in my heart? And do I have people around me that I'm accountable to, that I can go to, that I can talk with? And, and as we're sitting around having a meal, you say, man, I was so challenged with the way I get offended so easily. And you know what? I was offended with you and I was so wrong. Forgive me. To ask for forgiveness because we know that that's what God wants too or are we holding on to pride, you know? And these things are so important as a Christian. You see, fellowship is one of those things that is really weird because it brings togetherness, but it brings accountability within relationship. It gives us the ability to talk with each other and talk about things and talk about life and our struggles and our fears and our faith and our overcoming and whatever all these things are, but as together, we are so much stronger and our faith grows. So let's look at... um, how this can happen, the seed in the rocky soil. Because this is it, the bottom line there, believe in God's word. The seed or the rocky soil, this is Jesus talking about how the sower went out and sowed seed and it fell on different types of soil. The seed or on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message immediately Receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The important word there, they don't have deep roots. And can I just tell you that the thing about Christianity is that our roots grow in relationship. They grow in relationship. There's a psalm that talks about that. The person planted in the house of the Lord is the one who will prosper. Planted, roots down, being part of. So in this time, we've got to pray. We're going to pray for release from what we're in now. But at the same time, it is so important that we don't neglect coming together. And that is one of the reasons that we made the decision as a leadership that we need to make sure while we can gather, let's gather. Let's make sure we commit to the fellowship together, not just in homes but also in homes because there's such a different experience in these different places. Isn't it different here with the band up here playing beautiful music and the the people singing? Isn't it a beautiful thing? something different to what we can get at home. But at home it's also really good because all the questions you have you can talk about, you can answer, you can say, what does this mean to your friend? In the Bible you've read it during the week and you're like, I've read this passage, I'm not really understanding it. What do you think it means? And you chat, you talk, you think about these things together. We're putting our roots down in so many different ways but it all begins with firstly, obviously, a faith in Christ but then a commitment to one another, a commitment of love. Let's pray. 
Father, I just want to thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that we could gather together this morning and it's just fun. It's good. How pleasant it is to be amongst the brothers and sisters. How pleasant it is. Father, we just thank you so much for that. And Lord, we just pray this morning for a deep sense, Father God, of awe to come on us, just like that, that happened in, the, in, the, in Acts, Father God. And as that awe came upon them, the apostles, they performed many signs and wonders. Lord, as this devotion to God and to one another grew, that it released somehow the power of miracles to take place. So Lord, we're just asking for that too in the name of Jesus, that as a body we would unite together, that we have that common cause of, of growing your kingdom, of seeing your salvation to this earth, Father God, of, of helping you to look where you're working and to gather with you, Father God. We just thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen.